Welcome to the Table of Perspective, where we take a deeper look into how the internal narrative of an individual determines the response to life itself and all it entails. Today, I am your host, Bula, and I'll be going through a little bit of an old book that most children, most adults have read in their life, um, and that is Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. We will get straight into it right after the first song, so do enjoy. Oh, 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 
Um, so Charlotte's Web, not a favorite of mine, interestingly enough. Um, I had watched the movie before I read the book. I was fairly young and I had to do it as part of my curriculum, actually, when I was busy studying as a, a young child in school. Um, and it was more of a, I had to read it. I didn't really want to read it. And so I don't necessarily have very good memory of um, actually going through the book. However, I picked it up recently and I started going through it and I was fascinated by the illustrations and the manner of the writing and really actually uh, quite upset that I didn't pay more attention to it before. So who was E.B. White? What is it about? So on the back of the book by Eudora Welty, the New York Times book review, they state that what the book is about is friendship on earth, affection and protection, adventure and miracle, life and death, trust and treachery, pleasure and pain, and the passing of time. As a piece of work, it is just about perfect and just about magical in the way that it is done. These are the words in Charlotte's web, high in the barn, her spider web tells of her feelings for a little pig named Wilbur as well as the feelings of a little girl named Fern, who loves Wilbur too. Their love has been shared by millions of readers. The New Yorker says that a high caprice on a farm handled with wit and wisdom that serves to put an imperfect world back into joint. The Saturday Review states that a fantasy that has the beauty and del delicacy of the web itself. And um, I personally draw quite a bit. And having looked through the book and seen the illustrations, really put a better picture together of the kind of story. Um, and it is in watercolor, which is something that I do enjoy in the front uh, front page of the, the book, actually the cover of the book, um, which I had never known before because I had no knowledge of the difference of those things before. Um, but I'm just going to read a couple of lines from the book itself and then uh, we'll wrap it up after the second song when we just finish up this section. So in the beginning it says, um, before breakfast is the first chapter, and it states that, where's Papa going with that axe? Said Fern to her mother as they were setting the table for breakfast. Out to the hog house, replied Miss Arable. Some pigs were born last night. I don't see why he needs an axe, continued Fern, who was only eight. Well, her mother said, one of the pigs is a runt. It's very small and weak and it will never amount to anything. So your father has decided to do away with it. Do away with it, shrieked Fern. You mean kill it just because it's smaller than the others? Miss Arable put a pitcher of cream on the table. Don't yell, Fern, she said. Your father is right. The pig will probably die anyway. Fern pushed, pushed a chair out of the way and ran outdoors. The grass was wet and the earth smelled of springtime. Fern's sneakers were sopping by the time she caught up with her father. Please don't kill it, she sobbed. It's unfair. Miss Arable stopped walking. Fern, he said gently, you will have to learn to control yourself. Control myself, yelled Fern. This is a matter of life and death and you talk about controlling myself. Tears ran down her cheeks and she took hold of the axe and tried to pull it out of her father's hand. Fern, said Miss Arable, Mr. Arable, I know more about raising a little of pigs than you do. A weakling makes trouble. Now run along. But it's unfair, cried Fern. The pig couldn't help being born small, could it? If I had been small at, at birth, would you have killed me? Mr. Arable smiled. Certainly not, he said, looking down at his daughter with love. But this is different. A little girl is one thing, but a little runty pig is another. I see no difference, replied Fern, still hanging on to the axe. This is the most terrible case of injustice I have ever heard of. 
A queer look came over John Arable's face. He seemed almost ready to cry himself. All right, he said. You go back into the house and I'll bring the runt when I come in. I'll let you start on it with a bottle, like a baby. Then you'll see what trouble a pig can be. When Mr. Arable returned to the house half an hour later, he carried a carton under his arm. Fern was upstairs changing her sneakers. The kitchen table was set for breakfast and the room smelled of coffee, bacon, damp plaster, wood smoke from the oven. Put it on a chair, said Mr. Arable. Mr. Arable set the carton down at, the Fern's, at Fern's place. When he walked to the sink and washed his hands and dried them on the roller towel, Fern came slowly down the stairs. Her eyes were red from crying. As she approached her chair, the carton wobbled and there was a scratching noise. Fern looked at her father. Then she lit, lifted the lid of the carton. There, inside, looking up at her, was a newborn pig. It was a white one. The morning light shone through his ears, turning them pink. He's yours, said Mr. Arable, saved from an untimely death, and may the good Lord forgive me for this foolishness. Fern couldn't take her eyes off the, the tiny pig. Oh, she whispered, oh, look at him. He's absolutely perfect. She closed the carton carefully. First she kissed her father, then she kissed her mother. Then she opened the lid again, lifted the pig out, and held it against her cheek. At this moment, her brother Avery came into the room. Avery was ten. He was heavily armed, an air rifle in one hand and a wooden dagger in the other. What's that? he demanded. What's Fern got? She's got a guest for breakfast, said Mrs. Arable. Wash your hands and face, Avery. Let's see it, said Avery, setting his gun down. You call that miserable thing a pig? It's a fine specimen of a pig. It's no bigger than a white rat. Wash up and eat your breakfast, Avery, said his mother. The school bus will be here in a half an hour. Can I have a pig too, Pop? asked Avery. No, I only distribute pigs to early risers, said Mr. Arable. Fern was up at daylight trying to rid the world of injustice. As a result, she now has a pig. A small one, to be sure, but nevertheless a pig. It just shows what can happen if a person gets out of bed promptly. Let's eat. When Fern, uh, but Fern couldn't eat until her little pig had drunk of milk, uh, had a drink of milk. Mr. Arable found a baby's nursing bottle and a rubber nipple. She poured warm milk into the bottle, fitted the nipple over the top, and handed it over to Fern. Give him his breakfast, she said. A minute later, Fern was seated on the floor in the corner of the kitchen with her infant between her knees, teaching it to suck from the bottle. The pig, although tiny, had a good appetite and caught on quickly. The school bus honked from the road. Run, commanded Mrs. Arable, taking the pig from Fern and slipping a donut into her hand. Avery grabbed his gun and another donut. The children ran out into the road and climbed into the bus. Fern took no notice of the others in the bus. She just sat and stared out the window, thinking of what a blissful world it was and how lucky she was to have an entire charge of a pig. By the time the bus reached school, Fern had named her pet, selecting the most beautiful name she could think of. Its name is Wilbur, she whispered to herself. She was thinking about the pig when the teacher said, Fern, what is, the capital, uh, <laughs> what is the capital of Pennsylvania? Wilbur, she replied Fern dreamily. The pupils giggled. Fern blushed. So that was part of the first chapter um, stated as, uh, well, it was named Breakfast. And I just, I, I just chuckled thinking about how they've written this book. And kind of as a child who grew up on a, sort of like a farm, I was interacting, I often interacted with wild animals and 
chicks and goats and all kinds of different farm animals and having remembered saving several pets for myself uh, that were supposed to go under the supposed injustice of the knife uh, really made me chuckle and, and reminisce on that. It was quite nostalgic. Um, and having seen, obviously we do know the end of the story because many movies that we've watched as in general, if you haven't, I do advise that you do get to, to watch it. Um, but we're going to go into our second song and then I'm going to wrap things up and do enjoy. just on the last point, um, having gone through a few of the lines of the book, I would really advise that it is read. Um, I think that it's kind of an interesting concept, especially in this day and age. Not many people actually do grow up 
out in the wild having the opportunity to take care of pets. I don't know many, many very people. Um, wait, what is that? What am I saying? I don't know very many people um, that have the opportunity to care for an animal and actually commit time to spending and creating a friendship bond with it. Um, I, I know it's kind of a bizarre concept if you really think about it, um, but it teaches a person this sort of unbiased compassion towards things, through, towards people, towards animals. It's as though you can really get nothing out of them and yet they give so much just by existing. And having that friendship with an animal, um, again, I said it's kind of weird, uh, but I do think that it's very, very beneficial in people understanding how to generously care for things that can give nothing in return. And that actually does apply to people as well. Um, understanding that we need to love people and, and animals for their sake, not for our own. Um, and so just as a whole, the the narrative of the book is written so lovely. Um, it's easy to read. Um, the way that it's described, everything really paints a, a beautiful picture. The illustrations are stunning as well. And I know that in the beginning, I didn't really roar and rave over the book, but I strongly advise that anyone who has the opportunity gets to read it and to share it. And um, it's just, it's quite delightful. It takes you through this whole roller coaster of emotions of having seen where the pig came from and the story of the girl along with it. And then obviously have the talking spider um, and it's just really an enjoyable narrative to to go through and to take and to pick apart, really, to apply certain principles in your own life in having mercy. And it's just really, I do advise strongly, I will say this for the last time, that if you ha ever have the opportunity to not only watch the movie, but also to read the book or to gift it, um, that's something that I would strongly suggest. So that's all from me. I do hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it was somehow beneficial. I hope that you have a wonderful day further and cheers. Active FM, the Netflix of radio. But better. When I see the sun rising Then I know that you're around In my darkest moments Then I need you to come down It was the blood